Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Schmodown Rundown. Introducing first, Frankie Stephanie, and the host of the Schmodown Rundown, Brad Gilmore. What's up, movie trivia Schmodown fans? My name is Brad Gilmore, and welcome to the Schmodown. Run down the official after show of the movie trivia showdown again. I am Brad Gilmore. You might know me by another name. You might know me as. Oh my God, you're my dream boat for sure. The boat. Hashtag best of all time. Hashtag best pink shoe. Hashtag boat life. Hashtag I'm on a boat. And I'm also joined by man, West Coast Frank. Hey, yeah, that's right. Um, man, let, let me tell you. Not, not you, you already know, but everyone else listening or watching. The things we've gone through to get to this point. Yes. I, I don't even want to just begin to describe because it it's that aggravating, but here we are. Here we are, Frank Janish. We figured it out after, um, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes of a, of troubleshooting and about 30 minutes of a rundown that no one will ever hear. You and I finally find a way to do this thing, and like we're trying to record our videos independently through Skype while looking at each other <laughs> through FaceTime. <laughs> With so AirPods in, which actually we can't hear our microphones. It's 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 a mess. We've never had this many issues before. But Frank, let's try to recap what the fans may have missed in yeah. our lost rundown episode. We we're talking about all the matches that were this week. Um, really great Star Wars match. Really fun inner geek the match that was. I mean, had your heart pump in there, especially through the first round. One that came to a slow crawl. But there's a big news about a 36 person singles tournament. Again. We went into this in real depth, but unfortunately, <laughs> we're short on time, so we cannot yeah. go into it in the depth that we did prior. But talk to me about it. Um, 36 people, that's a lot of people. What do you think? Yeah, it's very close to the amount that we've had at free-for-all. I actually think the first free-for-all had 35 players, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So uh, we're like right there with the amount of people. Four per faction, nine factions, four times nine is 36. So uh, Great couple of a uh, handful of play-in matches to get that dwindled down to a manageable 32 and and then we're off to the races and if the intergeekdom tournaments and the star wars tournaments are any indication uh, of the intensity level that comes with schmodown tournament play singles is going to be on another freaking level dude like it's going to be intense insane um heart thumping just it's gonna it's gonna be Probably 
the most intense tournament we've ever had. And that's saying something, given the fact what we've seen with Star Wars and Inner Geekdom thus far. Yeah, I can't control it. I can't hold it. It's so nuts. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really dope reference. Very, very obscure Really dope reference. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm really excited about this tournament in a variety of ways. But one of them, um, and, and I think that they may have gone into it on backstage. I haven't been able to catch up on everything, is the conceivable disadvantage the Finstock Exchange might have by Ben Bateman, John Roca, Dan Merle, none of which being eligible, at least at this moment, or willing to at this moment, play in that tournament. So it's going to be interesting to see if they make those choices. I know they all have uh, – well, Dan's the champion, and then – Ben and John Roca have a different path to the championship, um, and they wouldn't have to go through the singles champion uh, through the singles tournament in order to get to the championship. But the question is, do you do it for the betterment of the team? If you know that your team is cruising at a very comfortable altitude on that flight all the way to the end of the season, and you're looking like you're going to finish number one, but you know you have the Swag Squad coming up close, do you forego your individual opportunity for the better team goal? That's my question, and I don't know if if Roca and Ben would be willing to, to do something like that, especially because they've earned the, the positions that they're in. So that's, to me, the most interesting thing about this 36-person tournament. Yeah, I think as we get closer and closer to this tournament actually starting and we get some decisions, some confirmations of who's going to be in the tournament, um, it will be interesting to look at it and, and figure out if there's any campaigning going on from individual players to get into the tournament. You know, Some factions are going to have... Um, tougher decisions to make than others. You look at the Den, like they have Tom, Paul Preston, Ben Goddard. They traded for James White. Uh, they have Rachel Silvestrini in there. Um, some other players, you know, that that could that could want an opportunity to play. So Kate kind of makes some tough decisions. Uh, Finstock Exchange, obviously, we'll figure out when we get closer. Once those preliminary matches with you know Roca and Irwin, then you'll have Ben Bateman playing. Um, a winner. Um, we'll see what kind of decisions Dagnino has to make. And I also, um, in our lost uh, take of this, I mentioned that who knows what the Finstock Exchange lead is going to look like by the end of these two terms we have going on. If they have a huge lead, let's say 10 points, 11, 12 points, maybe they take more chances on less proven players like Sabrina Ramirez and the like. Um, or, hey, maybe we see Cody Hall. I, I don't know. But if they yeah. have that kind of lead, maybe they have um, – it makes decisions a little bit easier for them um, in terms of who they want to put in there. But if they have a really small lead, three points, two points, whatever it might be, um, maybe they're really feeling the pressure and they're like, look, we need Ro- we need Roka in there. We need Bateman or whoever um, in there Roka, you know, to, to shore up or to maintain our lead. So it's going to be interesting to see where we all land – uh, at the end of these tournaments, officially, where those other match, what those other matches do, does Roka get a shot after Irwin if he can if he can climb that mountain? I don't know. So there's a lot of interesting things to happen before we even get to the tournament that also would decide who's in the tournament. Yeah, man. Um, I would like to kind of go into the full extent of what we were discussing in this lost episode, but as I said a few weeks back, I only chew my cabbage once. <laughs> So we're going to have to we're going to have to move on to talk about the three matches to have enough time. Um, let's start. First things first. I want to talk about Eric, the Z-Man Zipper, 
and Emily Rose Jacobson. Uh, saw Emily Rose there in Atlanta, Georgia, in Alex Damon's Inner Geekdom debut. Really thought that she had uh, a good showing, but maybe some mismanagement, maybe some second guessing in that second round, which led her down the primrose path, as they say, away from a category in which she was stronger with. And then on the other side, Eric Zipper, who's always been a bit of a question mark to me. As a guy who came in Winston Marshall, they were world's finest. I knew that obviously uh, Eric was the stronger of the two players, but he was one of the guys that you were just waiting for him to put it all together. You know, it's like, okay, he's got knowledge, he's got this, he's got that, he understands the game, but can we can we put them all together at once? You know, I remember when I was playing uh, uh, baseball, right? I, I was a second baseman for a long time. I played baseball 12 years of my life, and I remember some some games, nothing could get by me on second base. I mean, I'm grounding everything, boom, boom, boom. But on the other side of the bat, when I go up to hit, I'm striking out like crazy. And then the next game, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't miss anything. I'm hitting everything, single, double, triple, home run, whatever, and I'm missing everything on the field. I, I couldn't you know, get any outs. Could I put it together two at the same time in order to be a well-rounded player? That's what I was looking – that was what I'd been looking for from Eric Zipper, putting, putting it all together. Then I'm like, mm, inner geekdom. You have Robert Parker, you have Kevin Smets. You're going to be the third choice for an inner geek to match if you're Kaiser. So again, how strong are you in the IG? I was really looking forward to seeing him make that uh, leap into the inner geekdom tournament. And I will say this. I've been missing the skits and the promos. And Eric Zipper and Kaiser's promo, phenomenal. I mean, great piece of business there. Especially when... <laughs> Uh, Kaiser's talking about trying to take a shot at Harloff, right? <laughs> he's like, I got to get a shot at Harloff. Yeah. And then he says, he's got a pig in there. And he looks at the pig for like five seconds. And I was like, oh, man, that's so funny. We had, yeah, we had a cameo from Piggy Smalls there. And uh, it, it, this was really just a great kind of back and forth between Kaiser and Zipper. And you can really see how... Kaiser and Zipper have really taken to each other and, and what that bond really is. And you see why yeah. Kaiser took Zipper in the third round because I think he could have waited maybe another round to take Zip, but he went and got Zipper after he took uh, Robert Parker in his first official pick in the second round. Obviously, Smith was protected, Parker, and then Zip. So their dynamic is really fun to watch. And Zipper, I think, is is a dungeon head for life. Um, I don't know that even even going into next year, you know, with the drafts and everything, that someone would want to pick up Zipper. Um, yeah. But I love the trajectory that Zipper is on. I love that he has an enthusiasm about getting better, especially with right. inner geekdom, and and that comes from the faction within the faction itself. And I think, well, part of it does, but also a lot of it has to come from him, his own self to want to get better. And, and that's the type of player I think you definitely want on your faction. So I might want to retract my statement in terms of I don't know if other factions out there would want to pick up Zipper. They might. At the end of the season, they look and see a player who, who wants to get better and who, in fact, is actually getting better because there's another player, well, the person who he played who's trying to get better. The results didn't quite come out the way I think they hoped. So we'll see what happens um, in the future with Zipper, obviously, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see him progress going from this point onward. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. And let's talk about the match. I mean, he went in there, and uh, I mean, for lack of a better term, he just he kind of took it to Emily Rose, man. You know, he took it to her, and uh, she she was. I don't know. I love Emily Rose. She's a member of the Finstock Exchange. She's an H Town girl. You know what I mean, I got to show a love to my H Town cats. Um, but I feel like between February the 29th in Atlanta, Georgia, and this week uh, of June in, in 2020, that four-month span of time, I don't see a, a big leap in progression at all. I see kind of the same player. And this time, she ha- she found herself in round two in a very similar position that she found herself in in Atlanta, went with the strength, went MCU. And I got to tell you, first off, these MCU questions are getting nuts. They're getting ridiculous. Like, they really are. I mean, it's crazy, some of these MCU questions. So, more on Emily Rose Jacobson. She found herself, Frank Janish, in a similar position that she found herself in in Atlanta, Georgia. But the difference here was she actually got her strength, which was the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, I mean, she did okay, I guess. But these Marvel Cinematic Universe questions are getting crazy. I mean, the deep cuts. But that's what you're going to need to do, man, if you're going to be a champion in this league. Let's talk um, about overall. What did you think of Emily Rose's performance? Has she progressed since we last saw her in Atlanta, Georgia, or is she about the same player? Yeah, that's the interesting case about Emily Jacobson here. And I see pretty much the same type of player. We, We pretty much got the same type of performance, the same type of... Uh, parameters of how the match played out similar to Atlanta and I don't see much of a difference these are uh, and that's just based on numbers like her first round in Atlanta she was five and here against zip she was four um in both matches you know she's had nine points through the first two rounds uh that's I don't I don't know where the the improvement is coming from Obviously, when you get spinners and you pick MCU, and then you only pick up four points through your five questions, I mean, she got a one-point steal. I, I don't know where the improvement is coming from. So, and when, when I when I hear Emily talk about wanting to compete and be competitive in inner geekdom, I believe her, and I believe she's doing the work. So now, the question, and I think the responsibility falls on to. Tom Dagnino. I have to put a lot of this actually on Tom Dagnino to tell you the truth because he had how many months to get Emily uh, prepared, and while she, she also does take some credit of uh, or you know responsibility of what her play is, Tom Dagnino as her manager, I think, um, in a sense, failed her uh, getting her prepared for this match, and. If he's going to take all the glory from the wins of Dan Merle and the Founding Fathers, then he's going to have to take, you know, the losses that that aren't that they don't look great, which is including this one, and that's unfortunate because I was thinking, what kind of manager is Tom Dagnino really? And I kind of came to the the thought overall general opinion of that he is a front running manager. I don't know that he can pluck somebody out of a crowd, and build them from the ground up. I think he he works best with players that have been seasoned a little bit, that have gone through it, and and he finds them on their upswing, and he lashes on, and he helps take them to that next level, which is certainly an aspect that other managers might not 
be capable of of replicating the way you know the way that he does. So there are other like when you look at the Patriots, when did he join the Patriots? Well, he first got whooped by them when he was teamed up with Makuga as the Mega Powers, and then I the think mega like powers. a little bit, right? <laughs> what a throwback yeah. that is, <laughs> right? Um, and then, by the way, here's a little rundown history. Huh. Uh, um, after Finstock dumped Makuga, uh, Finstock was on the rundown. I think it's like episode nine or ten. I forget what it, what it is, but um, Aaron Turner's the originator of the, the rundown, he's interviewing Finstock and it's literally, this is the first time that Finstock had ever said LB loser behavior. It was the first time ever on rundown. So that's a little rundown slash schmodown history for you. Um, you can, you can find that clip on our Facebook page. Uh, so if you want to see that clip and hear that whole interview, I think, or most of the interview, you can find it, uh, on our Facebook page. Anyways, what I'm saying is he lashed on the Patriots as they're on their upswing and then rode that wave. And then what happens Anarchy, he gets gifted, not gifted, but he gets saddled with Mark Riley and Ben Bateman. Mark Riley, a former champion, Ben Bateman, an up and coming player who's who who's improving, right? And then he gets then he gets attached with Founding Fathers and Dan Merle and John Roca, right? So again, legends, two Hall of Famers of the game. So who was he really ever worked with that he built from the ground up? Uh, you look, you can point towards Barbarian this year, sure, but I think uh the talent there is different because in terms of scouting, like he was, he was smart enough to pick up barbarian. I'm not taking that away from him at all. There's a certain type of, um, you got to be able to, you know, have that eye for talent. He certainly has that. Um, but I don't, and then like Andrew DiMolanta, I mean, he was a well, he was already a well-established, uh, star Wars player in terms of the knowledge he possessed when you look at his numbers sure the record wasn't there but the knowledge definitely was and he's able and he's and he's been able to take Demolanta to the next level um which he's done with who's the boss in a sense and founding fathers when they had to write the ship so and the patriots so i don't know that he's the best manager for emily jacobson going forward I think Emily Jacobson should look towards more the managers, the likes of Coy or Sam Levine or hell, even the dungeon if there's room, right? Um, those are all inner geek, inner uh, savvy factions. Look at, I mean, look at what Coy has done with John Humphrey and Greg Alba. Yeah. Right. And then look at what Sam Levine and company were able to do with Jen Kemp and Janine, the machine. Like, sure. They didn't win their matches, but their level of play is above what Emily displayed here in these past two matches. So I think she needs to look in a different direction because in her ma- in her interview, she said, no, she loves being with th- those group of people over there, which is fine, but I don't think they are suitable for her game if she wants to get better. I think she needs a better network around her um, to help progress her in this game, in, in her geekdom. So... I, I don't know. I really do look at Dagnino a little bit differently here if he's not able to work with someone like Emily Jacobson and build them up and, and take them to another level because right now she's pretty much where she was at from Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of things you said, so let me pose this question to you then. Like Going off of that um, premise of Tom Dagnino needs somebody who's already all put together – um, where do we think that now Sabrina Ramirez, how, how do we think that she's going to perform given that she's a rookie, uh, and, you know, needs a lot of, of forming, uh, in, in order to be an elite player. 
Yeah, it's a great question. And I think Dagnino and company, would, would, you have Merle, Bateman, Riley, Roca, right, Barbarian. Those guys are singles and teams players. Uh, those guys have not cracked the inner geekdom egg as it, as it might be in terms of preparation. Um, look, Dan Merle was going to compete in Intergeekdom this year, and things happened, right? Sure. But he wasn't ready enough to compete in this tournament. So that to me, that says he wasn't able to crack the egg in a way that was um, satisfying enough for him. And he's going to have a whole different set of standards because he is Dan Merle. And, and so there is that to be said. I think when it comes to Sabrina... She has more of a, 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 a access to that type of um, evolution for her game because she's with players who have done that. You know, um, nobody in Finstock Exchange has done anything in Inner Geekdom, so that's where I think Emily is kind of failed by the Finstock Exchange in in a sense. Uh, whereas Sabrina, venturing into singles and teams, presumably. Uh, she has legends there to look at and, and to learn from. So I think we will probably see better results from Sabrina in terms of building from the ground up than we will f- with Emily. And so I think Dagnino has a better shot at, at at making things grow with Sabrina more so than Emily, just given the nature of how his faction, uh, where their strengths lie. And then to to go on the other side of this match... Eric Zipper with a really good win, man. You can tell he studied. I know there was that slip up. I think he said sand got caught in C three uh, PO or what have you. Um, yeah. But aside from something like that, he performed rather well. Do you see though the performance by Eric Zipper being able to translate into late tournament play, or is this just an elite first round performance? But as soon as he gets into maybe stiffer competition, he's going to meet some trouble. Well, yeah, because next round, presumably, uh, he's going to have to face either Kalinowski or Greg Elba. And, look, everyone thinks it's going to be Kalinowski. Uh, I don't think that's a dig at Elba, but, look, Kalinowski is a former champion. So it just makes sense that Kalinowski and Zipper is is a is an impending round two matchup. And given the way Zip played here, he only missed three questions. He missed two in the first, missed a second round question here with Middle Earth, a, a category that... He shored up a weakness. And look, um, he was one of five in, in Lord of the Rings coming into this match. So yeah. uh, Emily giving him Middle Earth is um, is an okay move. I'll, I'll get to why I'm kind of confused and why they gave him Middle Earth, to tell you the truth. But with Zip, I think he has a foundation now that he's been that he's built with uh, Kaiser, Smets, uh, Parker, right? And... He's going to build on that from here on out. So we might get an even better zipper in the second round, in his second match. So that's going to be really interesting to see now the level that that next level needs to be at to play the likes of a Kalinowski. Um, probably going to be a lot higher than I, – I, I don't know if he can reach that level. But I think, he can, I think he's going to give whoever in the second round, and I, like I said, presumably Kalinowski, I think he's going to give him – a run for his money, and it's going to be no easy feat for, for Kalinowski. Zipper, I mean, like I said, uh, he wants to learn. He wants to get better, and he has the network around him, unlike Emily, um, to get better because they have the methodology. They have the proven um, 
study guides, basically, when you look at Smets, I mean, he's the champ. They have a proven, there's a proven system there that Kevin um, can impose upon Zip if he's willing to take that on, which it looks like he is. Yeah, no, a- a- absolutely. I mean, the, uh, the the Kevin Smets of it all is definitely a- an interesting component um, for-, for Eric Zipper and his future success. Obviously, Mike Kalinowski, if he comes out of the Greg Alba match, is going to be a tough match for anybody. It doesn't matter. Even if it was Kevin Smets himself, and we've seen that before. It was a tough match for him the first right. time around, not so much second time. And I think that um, Eric Zipper, though, he might have found his lane. And the unfortunate part of this in my estimation for Kaiser is he might have really coached up Zip only for Zip to go to a next another team next year and be a credible IG threat over there. You know, there's 100% that possibility, but you got to play for the now and you can't worry about, you know, you know, someone else's these are going to be someone else's three points next season. I don't think you can have that mentality, but it's certainly um a possibility, you're right. I think once people Look at Zip. Given, I mean, look what he did in singles. I mean, elevated his game, and he, and he talked about just a fluky finish for him there. Inner geekdom. You know, he's got this great debut in the tournament, and um, you know, that's a type of player that I think a lot of factions, a lot of managers would like to have on their team because he's a he's a loyal dude, and he's a guy who's going to give you everything. And right now, I think the league as a whole, is is witnessing just exactly what type of player Zipper can be, aspires to be, and what he just brings to the table just innately as, as himself. And I think, you know, if he's not retained by the dungeon, uh, he could go pretty – I think he'd go decently high in next year's draft. Yeah, no, I, I definitely do too. And it would be interesting, though, to see how he performs moving forward and in uh the intergeekdom tournament and then you know who knows he might because he, really he's been the singles guy for yeah. kaiser and them so i would like to see how he does in this uh pending 36 person tournament but i think that um emily rose you're right i agree with you i think that maybe different representation would be great but it's hard to say you know that's the thing too though it's hard to say okay let me move on from the number one team in the league <laughs> for sure. some of the most elite players of all time. Let me just throw that resource to the side. Hey, guess what? LeBron James had a lot of stinkers for coaches there in Cleveland uh, when he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers, but he was still LeBron James. So players around him might have said, hey, you know, my coach kind of sucks, but I still got LeBron. You know, maybe I need to stick to LeBron, get some information and, and, and some sit under the learning tree from him. So it's a double-edged sword when you talk about moving on if you're Emily Rose, but I but I do agree with your overall assessment that it might be the right move. Frank Janice, so unfortunately, we can't spend any more time on this. we, we got to well, still get – oh, we, I'll give you last word. Yeah, one last point with uh, Emily and Dagnino giving Zipper Middle Earth and not who said it. That's where, that's where I'm confused. If Emily was not willing to – and Dagnino, if their, their mindset was we're going to give him Middle Earth because we saw in his past matches, I, I okay, I get it. But I think who said it is also a very dangerous category for a lot of players, and, and, and it's burned a lot of players. Some of the best players have been burned by who said it. Now, maybe it's not um, beneficial for Emily if she were to get a steal opportunity, but 
look, I think you also got to recognize your own game (laughs) and where you're at because, and this might seem a little harsh, but look, she did get a, she, she did pull off a steal the one opportunity she got from, from off a zip, but would you rather be able to steal one point from your opponent or would you rather have your point, rather have your opponent score three points, but you steal none? What would you rather have? Yeah. And I think you would rather take you would have a better shot with Zip gaining fewer points because he he doubled up Emily on the in in this round he came away ten to five with steals and when it was all said and done um, and who said it's a more varied um, category and it's not isolated and I think while I don't fully dismiss their their strategy of giving him Middle Earth but I think. If who said it is on the wheel, and it's befell many a competitor, some of the best, in fact, I think you might want to roll your roll the dice on that one, even if it means you yourself, uh, if you were given a steal opportunity, would not capitalize. But if he get no points, then you know, I, I think that's, that, in my opinion, that's the route to go. But they yeah. did what they did. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you say, but we got to move on. We got to talk about this yeah. Star Wars match. It was highly anticipated. The Hunter, Andrew Demolanta versus Molly Damon. Molly Damon making her, uh, I guess, singles Star Wars debut uh, the prior week with a victory moving forward in this tournament. And, of course, Andrew Demolanta, pressure's really been on him. He's been one of the most talked about guys in this entire tournament, and he was able to squeak past Joseph Scrimshaw for the W in overtime. Luke, Luke's hatred, you know, one of those things. Um, now, going into this, I wasn't sure. I, I I thought that Molly was going to kind of come out of the other side of the tournament, uh, of the bracket at first, after the Scrimshaw defeat. But Andrew Demolanta said he's, he seems so on point. He seems so ready for it. And this match was appointment viewing for me. I could not wait to see these two go at it. And it looked like um, it was going to be all the makings of a classic. They both went perfect in round one. I believe Molly missed the bonus and Andrew got it, put her down one going into the second round. And then in the second round, Frank Janish, some stuff happened. Yeah, it sure did. Um, right off the bat, Shuttle Tiberian. I mean, Tiberium. I mean, Tiberium. I mean,. And, um, you know, what an interesting <laughs> sequence of events that question was. Um, look, I wasn't sure, like Christian what seemed to not be sure, how he ended pronoun- the pronunciation of Shuttle Tidarium. I couldn't tell if he said an N or an M. And if I'm Christian Harloff in that moment, and I, I can't distinguish if he ended with an N or an M, I think it was reasonable for him to ask, hey, could you spell it? And he can't really get any more specific than that because then you're you're in a position to potentially lead that player in a direction that would indicate what exactly you're looking for and therefore he if Dimalanta picked up on it, he can make a correction in that moment and make to make sure he gets the right answer. So while the ruling was not based ent- entirely at all on spelling, it was based on really that one final letter, 
what which Harlov was looking for because he can't say, "Are you saying this Tidarium?" He can't really. Well, he can't say Tidarium to Dimalata. He, he he would have to say, "Are you ending it with an N or an M?" And now you're giving him a fifty-fifty multiple choice type of option to complete his answer. So you gotta broaden it out and and ask for just the spelling and see what he says at the end. Now, if he says he said Tidarium, I don't know why Andrew DiMolanta then ended his spelling with the letter N. So I do think the correct ruling was made here. Do I think Andrew DiMolanta knows the answer? Yes, 100%. Do I think he got it wrong in this very tiny moment of time? I do. And uh, that's unfortunate. Well, it's unfortunate, but uh, what I think is more unfortunate is any is any slack going on the the call to make him spell it, because uh, honestly, there there was no other way to do it, right? Because yeah. if he if Christian said uh, repeat yourself, and if he said Tiderian again, and you couldn't distinguish if it was an M or an M, <laughs> it doesn't really yeah, help you're... you to say repeat it, and then you can't say you say Tiderium or Tiderian, you know, you can't ask him that because that's leading him on. And giving him the answer, so you say, "Hey, spell it." And it had nothing to do with the correct spelling. It literally was predicated on one letter. Just give me what was the last letter. You know, it, right. that's essentially what what the what the um, spelling call came down for. And the challenge from Tom Dagnino, I get why you challenge it. I think anybody would challenge it for um, sure, just because of how close it was. And yo, I got to spell it. And I think that it was a worthwhile challenge, but I always thought that the right call was made. Um, now, had this... Well, let me ask you this. Had this call to spell it, and then the incorrect... Uh, and then have him getting incorrect, it ruled incorrect, Molly Dame gets the steal. Have that determined the match, would you feel different about the call to make him spell it? No, I wouldn't. Because I think in that moment in time... I agreed 100% with the ruling. I thought it made sense. I thought it was well explained what they were looking for, what they were trying to do, what they were trying to accomplish in terms of trying to find what his answer was without giving too many leading type of of questions or, or, or responses uh, to tip their hand. So I think they handled it as best they could because – and that's the unfortunate part about doing this – uh, virtually online is sometimes your internet connection can m- make things sound muddled uh, depending on your connection or your mic setup um, because if you're in the same room maybe they hear it much more differently uh, and we don't have this type of issue but uh, you know it, it's an unfortunate situation that thankfully didn't decide the match in a way um, but um, it, it it did decide actually the difference between a TKO and and not a TKO for uh, the Finstock Exchange here. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was pretty big in that regard. Um, I and, and I just don't... And, and, and can we also say, like, and I hope that I've made this clear, and you as well, this call, literally, it didn't have anything to do with spelling. He didn't get it wrong because he misspelled it. He got it wrong because he said the wrong thing. That's what it came down to. He just said the wrong thing. The answer was wrong. That's the reason he got it. I just saw a whole bunch of commenters saying, oh, my gosh, spelling? They had, they did spelling of the Schmodown? This is crazy. Geppetto, Geppetto, Geppetto. And I'm like, hey, brothers, <laughs> calm down. 
It has nothing to do with that. Clear mind. Um, but, you know, it, it didn't decide the match because when Alex, I'm sorry, when Molly Damon got into the third round, she just couldn't, she couldn't pull that, that three and that five. It just wasn't there for her. Um, and, and that sometimes is what's happened. We don't know if Demolanta would have gone all but perfect except for that one it had he had to go in round three because he had enough of point buildup that that steal didn't make a big difference for him because he was able to get some steals back off Molly Damon in round two. And they were, um, you know, he was he was comfortable in his lead and he won the match. And now he goes on to the finals. And I got to say, man, he's looking pretty unstoppable. I love Laura. She's a beast. But Demolant is looking pretty unstoppable now. When you look at the two matches from Demolanta, um, statistically it's going to show that he missed he's missed one question in two matches. But really, he, he has not missed any. Now, that speaks to his level of knowledge. The gameplay is a different aspect um, where I think going forward in his next match, in the final, I think he's going to be very precise and very careful of how he's um, enunciating. And I think there's going to be much more level of care, I think, coming out of DiMolanta um, in, in this final match or tournament final. But uh, it's, you know, look, he fought back after such a, a tough ruling to go against you in that second round, and he got the next four right for a full two points. And... Uh, that that to me shows a level of focus uh, that he's at, and that's going to serve him well, definitely uh, in that tournament final. Presumably, against, in my estimation, I'm sorry, I'm underestimating Ace. I'm sorry, man. I really I am. I love what he's done, and believe me, I I I'm all for the upset. Like when um, this whole debacle in, in the second round happened and Molly got two point steal I was I immediately then started rooting for the upset because I was like all right it's a possibility I just want to see it now I didn't think it was a possibility going into this match I thought Demolanta was going to win but then once the tables have turned and things had gotten a little rocky and and Molly had had a huge huge two point steal I was like oh we could actually see it happen and now i do want to happen and I, I feel like if ace were to get in that situation against laura kelly next week i feel like i would turn and be like all right man let's do it let's don't <laughs> don't tease me about this could happen i don't want to repeat of last week where i got a little bit of a tease of a of a big upset um I, I, you know if he's gonna get a lead on laura kelly he better make sure it sticks because i don't i don't want to be teased that he's gonna pull the upset and then lose it in the end but uh you know dimalanta man he's he's this doesn't the level of play does not surprise me, and uh, you know he he's just now getting opportunities to to put that on full display, winning two in a row. Um, it looks nice on the stat sheet, but I always thought you know he was a very high um, knowledge player to begin with, despite the zero and two. I never really looked at it. Never you can't really even look at the records for Star Wars with any type of meaning just because of how sporadic the matches have been and uh the level at which the division is just now beginning to mature. So Dimalante is gonna be at the forefront uh, of this division 
uh, building itself now uh, as he can, as he progresses, and we'll see what he does in the final. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you. I, I was smelling that upset. Didn't happen. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I, I, I was so sure that he was going to lose in his first round to be, you know, a, a player with zero wins in this division. But I don't know, man. I think that he's the favorite now. I think that he is. I, I still love Laura Kelly. She's still my pick. But I think that Andrew DeMolanta has to be the favorite right now because of the level that he's playing. And I'll tell you the one thing before we move on that I love most about this Star Wars tournament is it's giving us more players in this division. We're finally going to be able to build out the Star Wars division to where it isn't like two matches a year and they're both for the title. It's going to be multiple matches every year uh, in Star Wars, and I, and I really enjoy that. And it doesn't have to be like fatal five ways every time. You now have storylines, competitors, um, and matches that you can make for next season after this tournament is over to continue building out the Star Wars division. The only question for next season, are you going to have enough questions for all the matches? Because I don't know how the hell you can come up with more stuff uh, at this point. And, and one other thing, too, going way back to the first round here, first question, in fact, Revenge of the Sith, um, absolute versus absolutes. Uh, Andrew DiMolanto was wrong. He was wrong, and uh, I. And while it doesn't even affect the match, um, look, it's little things like that that could determine a match could, that could determine a tournament win for him. So, uh, hopefully, we don't see any of that from him in the final. Because if we do, I think going up against the likes of a rematch against Laura Kelly, where, I mean, again, 725, he did not put 2-1. Laura Kelly put 725 to 1, and that was a you know a difference of being right or wrong. And Laura Kelly, I think, I think I saw somewhere posted on Twitter or Facebook, had Laura Kelly been in Molly Damon's shoes, um, that would have been challenged, and DiMolanto would have lost the point. I'm, I'm surprised that they even gave him the point to begin with because um, it was wrong. It was wrong. <laughs> There's nothing else I can say about it. It was wrong. Yeah. Um, that, that's it. That's another interesting point I didn't pick up on. But we got we to move on, Frank Janish. I have barely any time left here. So let's talk yeah. about, really, though, as great as the Molly Damon and Andrew DiMolanto match was, as far as hype for a match, when you see on paper first round intergeekdom tournament, Paul Oyama, the former singles champion, going up against a former team's champion and Chance Ellison, these two have had beef all the way back in the fan leagues. Um, and then we've seen them clash before in the movie trivia showdown. I I was so hyped for this match, and round one did not disappoint. And, and the match really didn't disappoint. But what did you think of 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 Chance versus Paul? Oh, this match! I love when these guys play. I do. I really do. They are, uh, in a lot of ways, the future of the Schmodown. Not just because they're young. Sure, that's an, that's an aspect. But the the level at which they play. I, I mean, Chance had only played in one interview the match before before this, and it was it was average at best. Paul Oyama had not. Um, and they come with actual, like, pedigree behind them. They come with, a, you know, um, history behind them. They come with championships previously won by both of them, and now they're entering into this new division. 
uh, and they both go perfect with the bonus uh, in the first round. I mean, that's just amazing stuff. And you know, th- these two guys are, are. I feel like they're going to be like the Magic and and Larry of uh, of the MTS because I think they're going to they're going to split many matches. I think you know, right now they're one and one. Uh, Paul has the singles win. Chance now has an interdictum win. If Final Exam and Corruption were ever to face each other, whew, that would be one hell of a match, given just the little bit we've seen from Final Exam. And it looks like Winston's chomping at the bit to try and make that happen. But Corruption is obviously a much more proven team, a former team champions. But um, looking at Paul and Chance and the way this 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 match turned out. I mean, these guys are cutthroat, and Chance was, on this day, much more cutthroat. And he did not lay anything to waste. I mean, he missed just one question. Um, Paul Yama got a category, not necessarily in his wheelhouse, in Star Wars. I mean, landed on opponents. He did all right there, um, but uh, Chance got a huge two-point steal, which looks like a question that Paul knew as soon as the wrong answer left his mouth uh he he knew you know where he should have went so to me that shows that that paul's gonna be a strong player to to continue on here and look he's he's a a deadly smart player and his 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 powers if you will are only going to grow as will chance and man chance he's he's studying up with mike kalinowski and, and prepping laura kelly I mean, he's he's right now prepping with well-formed uh, players and former champions, you know, and they're they're playing at high levels in the respective divisions between Mike and, and Laura. And when you when you surround yourself with that, with people who know how to prepare spe- specifically in a meticulous manner that that Star Wars demands of, that Inner Geekdom demands of, um, it should be no shock that Chance played well. But I think. It is a shock how well he played here by missing just one um, one question in that second round. Um, it's it's going to be interesting, and I love that he's calling out Parker. Uh, that's yeah. you know another fan leaguer man. I mean, he wants to be the king of the fan leaguers in the MTS, which is kind of kind of funny and kind of cool. And uh, I'm here for it, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like that. I mean, obviously, so. Chance will play the winner of Goddard and uh, uh, Parker, correct? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I don't. I love my man Ben. I got love for the Bandit, but you know I'm gonna, gonna kind of say Parker is gonna go after that one. So um, the thing about Chance is, look, if he were to pull it off, obviously he'd be an instant legend in the IG. But further than that, my issue is if if you're gonna call somebody out, man, you better you better make sure you pack your bag <laughs> and get ready for a trip, man. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. with Robert Parker. That's the spider, and he's the spider for a reason. Um, and you don't want to you don't want to get yourself into a Brandon Hanna situation. What I mean by that is putting undue pressure on yourself before a match to live up to something. Uh, but like I said, if if Chance calls his shot, Babe Ruth it over the center field fence. <laughs> holy hell, that would be phenomenal. It'd be and, phenomenal for everybody. And what's interesting, Chance except said, for Robert Parker. <laughs> What's interesting, Chance said in regards to Parker, he said, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. Ooh. And he's talking about Robert Parker. He's talking about Robert Parker as the man already, right? I mean, that's mm. how much respect that I think 
chance has for Parker and also recognizes the type of player that Parker is because he knows him from the families and everything he's done there. And he knows that it transfers, that it has transferred over into into the Schmodown. And I thought it was interesting that Chance said it that way. Um, but I think that just shows you the level at which uh, Chance and his confidence is at and how serious and how... He he has that, that, that confidence that he wants to go after the best player, perceived best player in, in the inner geekdom right now, which is Robert Parker, which is odd to say because he's only played one match and it'll be two next week, but um, or three next week, rather. Two ne- uh, next, whatever. You know what I'm saying. He's going to play two. Yeah. We've had a Long crazy time. recording. We we, we, we've had it. a crazy recording, man. But yeah. It's been it's, beyond. Yeah. <laughs> it's my lord. I can't wait till this is over, honestly. <laughs> Oh, I know. Me too. I'm like counting down the minutes. Oh, we gotta I'm get so done. sorry to everyone out there, but like, I like, ugh. oh boy. No, y'all have no idea what we've gone through. Um, one more thing on, on Paulo Yama. Where, where does he go now from here? Because to me, tell me if you disagree with this. To be an elite inner geekdom player, you have to know Star Wars. You have to know Star Wars. You have to know MCU and you have to know DC. That's my, that's my opinion. Maybe not so much DC as Harry Potter, but there's like two or three categories that you have to be well-versed in to be successful. Um, Obviously, it would be optimal if you're great in all of them, but Star Wars is one of those that comes up a lot. Um, Do do you agree with that? And where do you think, do you think that we ever see Oyama in IG again? Or do you think that singles and teams, like you said earlier, is where he needs to stay? I would love to see Paul back in Intergeekdom. Um, I think he can do. I think he can do all three. And look, he scored twenty-one points in his Intergeekdom debut uh, in the entire tournament thus far. And there's been to varying levels of of play, but only like a couple people have scored twenty points or more. So this type of performance would have beat nearly just about almost everyone else. And I had said this when the, the bracket came out. I said it's unfortunate that that Chance and Paul got to play a first round match because I would have loved to have seen them in a round two match uh, because this was the type of level of play I was expecting from both of them. Uh, I'm glad we got the match regardless, but um, I think that just shows, in my eyes, it, it, Paul and Chance, like I said, they're the, they're the future. I mean these these are two guys right now. They're, they're they're new triple threats in the league, for sure. And Paul, I mean, he he went perfect in the first round, and you build off of that. And while he didn't have a great second round, saddled with opponents is not ideal. And then once Chance, you know, he's a smart player, not just knowledgeable about movies, but he's a smart player. And that comes from Mike and Shannon um, and that crew over there. So he's building that part of his game. And it worked right here against Paul, against a former champion, albeit in a different division. So I, I, I am, I'm thrilled whenever we get to see these two guys play. Uh, th- they've certainly become a long way in my eyes, <laughs> given the way they started their careers here. But, uh, but I, I think I never doubted their knowledge. It was just whether or not they're going to put it all together and – and right now, I think we're seeing some um, special beginnings of chance here with Inner Geekdom. Whether or not he advances any further through the tournament remains to be seen. Obviously, but uh, Paul, I don't, I don't think this this loss here 
hurts the way a singles loss hurts, just because this wasn't something that um, he had his heart set out to do. He said it, you know, he's a singles and teams guy. That's that's where that's his bread and butter. This one was just like I'm trying to help out my squad, and look what I did. <laughs> you know, 21 points in my debut, and I got opponent's choice on top of that. So the dude's good. The dude's good. He's got the goods. Um, it's been a, it's been an up and down last six months for Paulo Yama, mainly mm-hmm. like on the on the downswing of things, just from you know losing to Roca, losing to Ben, losing this match. Sure, there's a lot of losses, but there's such such promise in Paulo Yama, and yeah. I hope that he continues on and he just never stops because he's got. I mean, he, and I don't think this is me going out on a limb here. He can be the greatest player of all time if he wanted to be. Um, and with time, I think that you know he could find his way into that top five conversation. He's I, I th- that good. I think both him and Chance uh, yeah, have yeah, that Chance ability. Too. Yeah, I think. I mean, we've been saying on the show, too, for a little while now, Chance, dude, look out, because once he gets rolling, I think you're going to see some serious stuff from him. I didn't think we could see this type of performance out of him in Inner Geekdom. Uh, I thought it would, lot, it would lie more with teams and singles. I mean, look how he played against the family very early on in the year. I mean, he was lights out, and that's what I was like. That's what I was expecting. For it to now transfer or starting to look like it's transferring over to Intergeekdom, I'm telling you, man, it's whew, it's going to be fun to watch what they could possibly do because I think the potential in both of them um, – it's going to be exciting to watch. But right now, we get to watch more of Chance in, a, in, a, in another round, and we'll see what he can do. Dude, on top of that, also think about this. Think about this. If Chance somehow were to be able to get past Parker, right? If Parker beats <laughs> Goddard. We're doing a lot of ifs here. We're doing a lot of ifs. <laughs> yeah. Just if, if, yeah. if, right? And he's able to find himself in the finals. It could be potentially Mike Kalinowski – Versus Chance Ellison, wouldn't that make Shannon Barney happy? Um, well, with the yeah, because w- given to where she is in the team's rankings currently, how uh, or the faction rankings rather, how great that would be for her. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen. Obviously, that's a lot of ifs to get there. We have we're not even out of barely out of round one of this tournament, but um, that would be that'd be really something for for Shannon. Yeah, that's that's definitely. Um pie-in-the-sky type of thinking. Uh, I don't know how realistic that is because Chance, if it were to happen, and I I don't want to give him the Robert Parker treatment because we've already given Robert Parker the Robert Parker treatment. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, there's still Barbarian at the top of that bracket that someone's going to have to deal with, and I don't think he's no joke either. Oh, yeah, Barbarian. I love the Barbarian. (laughs) Yeah. I have to say I love the Barbarian once a show, by the way. (laughs) And I love the Barbarian. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting, man. But it was, it was a fun week here in the movie trivia showdown. It wasn't a lot of fun trying to record this to talk no, about it. No, it was but, not. Ugh. But we figured it out. And next week, hopefully, there will be no technical issues and we'll be able to crank a full regular movie trivia showdown conversation out of it. Because we've tried to record this abridged version for like almost three hours, it feels like. So yeah. anyway, yeah. Frank Janish, <laughs> why don't you let the people know where they can find you and follow you? They can find me in a corner crying because I have to edit this damn thing. and uh, Or you can just find me on Twitter and Instagram at FrankieJ29. You can find me on all social media at Brad Gilmore. Check out my book, Back from the Future, Celebration of the Greatest Time Travel Story Ever Told. Uh, go check out the YouTube channel, Reality of Wrestling. A lot of cool content up there with Booker T and I doing the Hall of Fame on ESPN Radio. Got some more stuff coming down the pipeline. 
So go check that out. But for Frank Janish, I am the boat. Oh, my Brad God. Gilmore. You're my dream boat, for sure. We'll see you next week. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 